The book of Judges. So remember, after Joshua led the tribes of Israel into the promised land, he called them to be faithful to their covenant with God by obeying the commands of the Torah. And if they do this, they will show all the other nations what God is like. So Judges begins with the death of Joshua and basically tells the story of Israel's total failure. The book's name comes from the type of leaders Israel had in this period. Before they had any kings, the tribes were all governed by these judges. Now, don't think of a courtroom. These were regional political military leaders, more like a tribal chieftain. And you need to be warned, the book of Judges is very disturbing and violent. It tells the tragic tale of Israel's moral corruption, of its bad leadership, and basically how they become no different than the Canaanites. But this sad story is also meant to generate hope for the future, and you can see this in how the book's designed. There's a large introduction that sets the stage for Israel's failure as they don't drive out the remaining Canaanites. Then the large main section of the book has stories about the growing corruption of Israel's judges, and the progression here shows how Israel's leaders go from pretty good to okay to bad to worse. The concluding section is really disturbing and shows the corruption of the people of Israel as a whole. So let's dive in and we can explore each part a bit more. The opening section begins with the tribes of Israel in their territories in the Promised Land. And while Joshua defeated some key Canaanite towns, there was still a lot of land to be taken and lots of Canaanites living in those areas. And so chapter 1 gives a long list of Canaanite groups and towns that Israel just failed to drive out from the land. Now, remember, the whole point of driving out the Canaanites was to avoid their moral corruption and their way of worshiping the gods through child sacrifice. God had called Israel to be a holy people, and that does not happen. Chapter 2 describes how Israel just moved in alongside the Canaanites and adopted all their cultural and religious practices. And it's right here that the story stops. For nearly a whole chapter, the narrator gives us an overview of everything that's about to happen in the body of the book. This part of Israel's history, the narrator says, was a series of cycles moving in a downward spiral. So Israel became like the Canaanites, and so they would sin against God. So God would allow them to be conquered and oppressed by the Canaanites, and eventually the Israelites would see the error of their ways and repent. So God would raise up a deliverer, a judge, from among Israel who would defeat the enemy and bring about an era of peace. But eventually Israel would sin again, and it would all start over. This cycle provides the literary design and flow for the next main section of the book. It gets repeated for each of the six main judges whose stories are told here. Now, the stories of the first three judges, Othniel, Ehud, and Deborah, they are epic adventures. They're also extremely bloody stories. Either the judge themselves or people who help the judge, they defeat their enemies and deliver the people of Israel. The stories about the next three judges are longer, and they focus in on the character flaws of the judges, which get increasingly worse. So Gideon, he begins pretty well. He's a coward of a man, but he eventually comes to trust that God can save Israel through him. And so he defeats a huge army of Midianites with only 300 men carrying torches and clay pots. But Gideon has a nasty temper, and he murders a bunch of fellow Israelites for not helping him in his battle. And then it all goes downhill from there. He makes an idol from the gold that he won in his battles. And then after he dies, all Israel worships the idol as a god, and the cycle begins again. 
The next main judge is Jephthah, who's something of a mafia thug living up in the hills. And when things get really bad for Israel, the elders come to him begging for his help. And Jephthah was a very effective leader. He won lots of battles against the Ammonites, but he was so unfamiliar with the God of Israel, he treats him like a Canaanite God. He vows to sacrifice his daughter if he wins the battle. This tragic story, it shows just how far Israel has fallen. They no longer know the character of their own God, which leads to murder and to false worship. The last judge, Samson, is by far the worst. His life began full of promise, but he has no regard for the God of Israel. He was promiscuous, violent, and arrogant. He did win brutally strategic victories over the Philistines, but only at the expense of his own integrity, and his life ends in a violent rush of mass murder. Now, a quick note here. You'll notice a repeated theme in the main section of the book, that at key moments, God's Spirit will empower each of these judges to accomplish these great acts of deliverance. Now, the fact that God uses these really screwed up people doesn't mean he endorses all or even any of their decisions. God is committed first and foremost to saving his people, but all he has to work with is these corrupt leaders. And so work with them, he does. This whole section is designed to show just how bad things have gotten. You can't even tell the Israelites and the Canaanites apart anymore, and that's just the leaders. The final section shows Israel as a whole hitting bottom. There are two tragic stories here, and they are not for the faint of heart. They're structured by this key line that gets repeated four times at the close of the book. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The first story is about an Israelite named Micah who builds a private temple to an idol, and that gets plundered by a private army sent from the tribe of Dan. So they come and they steal everything, and then they go and burn down the peaceful city of Laish and murder all of its inhabitants. It's a horrifying story. When Israel forgets its God, might makes right. The final story of the book is even worse. It's a shocking tale of sexual abuse and violence, which all leads to Israel's first civil war. It's very disturbing. And that's the point. These stories are meant to serve as a warning. Israel's descent into self-destruction is the result of turning away from the God who loves them and saved them out of slavery in Egypt. And now Israel needs to be delivered again from themselves. The only glimmer of hope in this story is found in this repeated line in the last part of the book. It actually forms the last sentence of the story. Israel has no king. And so the stage is set for the following books to tell the origins of King David's family, the book of Ruth, and also the origins of kingship itself in Israel, the book of 1 Samuel. But the story of Judges has value as a tragedy. It's a sobering explanation of the human condition, and ultimately it points out the need for God's grace to send a king who will rescue his people. And that's the book of Judges. What's up, church? How's everybody doing today? Can I have all y'all stand up? We want to say hello to all our campuses, especially all the people watching in the military. Let's give all those people in the military a big hand. God bless y'all. Uh, my name is Miles. Welcome to The Rock. Um, 
whenever I get interviewed, um, a lot of times I'm asked how the NFL uh, prepared me for being a pastor. And in the NFL, especially on game day, before games in our locker room, it was very serious. Guys were not really chatting a lot. They had their gladiator face on, painted faces, headphones, getting in their zone, mad, sweating, you know, uh, intense. And then we went out and battled for three hours. Guys bleeding, getting hurt, getting knocked out, getting sent out there. It was just, it was like gladiator. And I was invited to the Padre locker room one day and it was the complete opposite. It was like 10 or four minutes before the game, they're eating hot dogs. And uh, I was like, you know, shouldn't I leave? Aren't y'all gonna have like a talk or something? I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, it's cool. We got 10 minutes and like 10 minutes before the game starts, right? And, and, the guy, and, and explained to me, like, we play, we play like 500 games, so we're not getting all excited like y'all get excited. Um, but, you know, what it prepared me for in, in every era of life is that you have to fight. You ha- you're in a battle. When you look at what's happening in the world, you know, 51 now people, people died in New Zealand. Uh, the devil is very serious. And sometimes we don't take this serious. We don't worship, we don't come on time, we don't read the Bible. We come, I I meet people in the mall or wherever and it's like a fan, I'm not anything. And and we don't take it serious. And I wanna challenge you in a couple things. We're gonna pray for the victims in New Zealand, but also the world because the devil is now overtly expressing hate like I've never seen it. And God is looking at his church going, you're the only hope I have. You're the only hope I have. And I I need you to aggressively love people (laughs) and be nice to people and display my love and grace on this earth. Are you following what I'm saying? Um, This year, last year, God told me two words, make disciples. So we've been talking about discipleship. We're in a series called The Pursuit, um, which which is a series on discipleship which is a disciple being a person has a disciplined pursuit of the heart of the Father. Uh, and we've started over 900 discipleship groups, but we're gonna have a training on April 4th. And God is continually to reveal to me what discipleship needs to be in this church. And it's gonna be a process. So thank you for your patience on that journey with us. But if you're in leadership, if you serve, if you're in a D group, if you lead a D group, I can't encourage you enough to come on April 4th. We're gonna give you plenty of information where, when, and how. It'll be at all the campuses. It'll be simulcasted to all the campuses. We're gonna have a journal that's gonna help guide you through with an assessment on where you're at. Um, We've never had a vision night like this before. And it's gonna be a D group training as well. Uh, But God is looking at us and and, and I'm only responsible for this church, right? I I have relationship with other churches, but this is the one he gave me responsibility for. And he said, look, I want you to challenge them. I need more out of them. And what that means is I need them to surrender, surrender more so I can express myself through them more. And so in the light of what you see on television, just understand when God sees what you see on television, it breaks his heart. And then he looks at television. And I, he don't look at television. He's already there. But you get what I'm saying. He, he looks at what you see on television. And then he looks at the church and says, oh, are you guys going to respond? If you have a Muslim friend, you should go pray for them. Pray for them. Call them up. Say, I'm going to pray for you. And you pray for them in Jesus' name just like you pray. 
and pray that God would comfort them and they would understand and have an experience with the Holy Spirit. If you have people in your life who are hate haters, listen, I'm not trying to sell a book, but I wrote this book for answers. Get this book and do it. We, we God's people, have to be the moral compass of the country. Politics is not the moral compass of the country. The church is the moral compass of the country. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Amen? So let's all bow our heads and pray. And after I pray, as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, after I pray, I'm going to want you to find someone in this room that doesn't look like you. That means they're a different ethnicity than you. Praise God, that's not going to be hard. Thank you that we have the United Nations here. I, I preach and say we have a Skittles church. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for being part of your family. Thank you for allowing us to represent you in this evil world. The world is full of hate. You are a God of love. And I pray you bless us, encourage us, empower us in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, find somebody and tell them you love them, ask them their name. Amen. <laughs> so so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand here. I'm just going to boom, boom. I'm going to stand there. <laughs> he's taken. All right, he's taken. All right, all ladies want his numbers. <laughs> hey, let's see your Bible. Let's get your Bibles out. Let's get your Bibles out on the count of three. Say word. <laughs> One, two, three. Say word. Okay, turn to uh, Joshua chapter six. So I am going to preach a sermon I was supposed to preach last week, uh, but I, I want to continue, encourage you to continue reading through the Bible. We're starting the book of Judges today. And on the stage is uh, my grandson, Ms. MJ. His other grandmother, Karen, and my sister, Margaret. So I know it's odd for, you to, for me to have a basketball in my hand because I am a football fanatic. I slept with my football in my bed in high school. Uh, but today I have basketball. Uh, in, in basketball, the point guard's job, just move in a little bit right here. There we go. There we go. You're good. Okay. The, the point guard's job is to make sure the basketball gets to the right person. Amen. So he, dri he, he dribbles down the court and then he throws the ball to the right person so they can eventually get it to the basket and score a basket. Amen. In the kingdom of God, God has given you resources. And as we continue to study about being a disciple and having our hearts transformed into God's heart, our job as generous believers is to take the resources of God and make sure they get to the right people. Now, resources are not only money. That's the first thing we think about, even though that's one of them. And it's probably our most dear resource, which is why Jesus talks about it more than anything else in the Bible. But your resource is also wisdom. Your resource, I know you keep moving back because you're scared. Can you move? <laughs> if you remember, you remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about uh, saving my sister from drowning in the pool. This is the one I saved. She really, she would be dead right now. 
Tell them it's true. Tell them it's true. It's true. It's true. I just snatched her out of the pool and she was drowning. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but in the kingdom of God, our job is to make sure whatever resources God has given us, whether it be wisdom, prayer, the authority of God that he, he has given you through the Holy Spirit, um, encouragement, forgiveness, that you make sure you get it to the right people. Now, generous does not mean giving everything away. You have to learn to be generous to yourself. The Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. You ought to love yourself. Imagine if you looked in the mirror and said, I hate you, I hate you. Guess what you're going to do to everybody else? Hate them. So loving yourself does not mean that you think you're better than everybody else. It means that you value yourself as much as God values you. So when God gives you something, sometimes he says, I want you to enjoy it. Sometimes he says, I want you to give it away. Another time he says, I want you to share it, enjoy it with somebody else. So the prayer is, Lord, tell me how you want me to steward what you have. As generosity is assigning God's resources to the right place, greed is withholding and preventing them from getting the right place. The title of my message is called An Aching Heart. Aching is one, either your heart aches and has a burden to be generous, or your heart is like a man named Aching the main character of our sermon. Amen. Let's all bow for a word of prayer one more time. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. I pray you challenge us. I pray you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give all of them a hand. God bless y'all. Um, in Judges, the, I mean, uh, in Joshua, the Israelites are getting ready to go into the promised land. Their first city is a city called Jericho. Everyone say Jericho. And God says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go into the city of Jericho. You are going to walk around the city one time every day for six days. On the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times, blow the trumpet, shout, and the walls are going to fall down. And then here's what you're going to do. All the gold, silver, and bronze you're going to put in the treasury of God. That's what I want you to do. Being generous is doing what God says with the resources God gives you. There's going to be a family, one family, Rahab and her family. I want you to save them. The rest of the people are wicked. You're not going to save them. But the Rahab, you're going to save them. So that's what I want you to do. The land itself, even though it is valuable, you are not going to ever build on this land. I don't want you to do anything with it. Even though you have all this real estate I'm giving you, I don't want you to use it. And then there are going to be accursed things that are dedicated to false gods. I don't want you taking those things either. I want you to destroy them. So when you see the gold and silver, I want you to give that to the treasury of the Lord. When you see other expensive things like nice Gucci and, and, and Hermes or, or Hermes or whatever that is, you know, and bay, 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 bay stuff, I want, you, I want you to destroy that because that's being worshipped and I don't want you to worship the God they worship. So I want you to make sure you understand what I want you to do with everything in that city. What's going to happen is they're going to go do it and then there's going to be a guy named Achan. Everyone say Achan. Who's going to do something he did not tell them to do and bad things are going to happen. Let's look at Joshua chapter 6 verse 15. It says. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they, were, they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that same day, only they marched seven times. The seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout. Everyone say shout. shout. 
for the Lord has given you the city, and now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. Rahab the prostitute. Hmm. Be careful who you judge. Mm-hmm. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are in her house, because they hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed. And when you take the accursed things and make camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. In other words, if you take the accursed things, you become a curse, you bring a curse on your camp. And by the way, a curse doesn't mean someone has a little voodoo doll and they stick it and you get all stung. It means that the favor of God is lifted from your life. You could have a lot of things and have no favor of God. You could have a lot of, have a lot of fun and have no favor of God. You, you, could, you could be at parties and smiling but have no joy in your heart because it's not blessed. You want God's blessing to be on your life. I'd rather have a little bit and be blessed than a lot and be cursed. Can I get amen? And so I want to make sure, what I, I want to make sure that I'm just blessed no matter what that means. And then it says, oh, oh, what it, no matter what that means, I possess. In verse 19, but all the silver and gold, the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated or set aside to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and be holy for I am the Lord your God. Remember that verse? Set it aside. And they shall come into the treasury of the Lord God. Number one of your notes, Father, give me a heart that desires to grow in generosity. Give me a heart that desires to grow in generosity. Now, if you notice, we haven't taken the offering. We're going to take that at the end. And we're going to give you a generosity challenge. Uh, if you are uh, a regular giver, we're just going to take our regular offering. If you're a visitor, we're going to take our regular offering. But some of you are going to be challenged today to say, you know what, I'm going to start giving biblically, which means I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to give you a 90-day challenge. If you ask God, God, give me a generous heart. Remember, don't give me a heart that just wants to give everything away. That's not necessarily biblical. God wants you to have stuff. Give me a heart that's sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit to give and distribute your resources. Amen the way you want me to in the time you want me to do it. You could be walking down the street and there's someone homeless and they're thirsty and they ask you for a glass of water or a bottle of water that you have and you got three bottles. And they say, hey, can I, can I, can I get a bottle of water? What you need to do is say, God, do you want me to give them one? They may have 20 bottles in the car and they're just scamming you. Now, I'm going to tell you a true story. When I was a youth pastor, we were in Tijuana and we were giving away clothes and, food and stuff to, to, the, to uh, this orphanage down there. And this little girl came to me. She was like five years old, little pigtails. It was raining. She had no shoes on. She was standing in the mud. And she said, yo, 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 yo quiero zapatos. She wanted shoes. I want shoes. And I said, I, I said, I got zapatos. And the Lord said, no zapatos. I said, you speak Spanish? I, I didn't know God said, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> God said, don't give that girl any shoes. And then uh, I said, I can't give, I, I, I said, no zapatos. So she walked around, started asking some of the kids in the youth group. And then one of the kids came up to her and gave her some shoes and she walked down the hill. And I was like, man, God, why couldn't I have done that? And then the pastor of the church came out and said, if that girl comes back, don't give her anything. I said, why not? He said, because she's not poor. She's going to take the shoes and go down the hill and sell them. Now, I'm not saying that happens every time, but in that particular situation, that, that, that was a situation. So you, Lord, what, what do you want me to do with what you have? And so it's not a matter of just giving away, giving away. It's a matter of, Lord, help me steward. Some things are very 
clear. Ties are very clear. Forgiveness is very clear. Prayers for people are very clear. Okay? And so, first one, Father, give me a heart that grows in generosity. How many of you would say, by, as we've been saying this, do something, disciple prayer over and over again and talking about changing your heart. How many of you, would, by a show of hands, would say that your heart is actually changing through this series, that God is changing your desires? About Raise your hand really high, really high, really high, really high, really high. Very good, very good. Your heart is actually changing. Why is that important? God works things out very subtly and all of a sudden you're going to have a bad taste in your mouth for things that you used to crave. And you're going to have a craving in your heart for things you used to have a bad taste in your mouth about. You'd be like, man, I, I just feel this. I need to pray. I need to read my Bible. Exactamente. That's how it works. Very subtle. So what happens is they go in, they go in, the Jews, they go in and they, and they de- destroy Jericho. But what happens is a guy named Achan goes in and sees some stuff he wasn't supposed to touch. And he steals them. The next city they go is Ai. Ai is a smaller city. And they go, we don't, we don't need everybody. Just send a few guys out. We'll take Ai, no, no problem. And they get spanked. And they lose. And then Joshua finds himself crying. Look at J- Joshua chapter 7, verse 10. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie on your face? Now understand, here's what happened. They defeated Jericho. Then they went to Ai thinking it was going to be easy. They lose. Guys get killed. And Joshua's crying out to God, oh God, we're, you, you, you forgot us and you brought us out here to kill us. And God has, I don't want to say he has no pity, but he's like, fool, get off your face. You did what I told you not to do. Achan stole some stuff. God removed his favor. There are people who are coming to church and your life is not blessed. Why? Not because you're not, not because you're coming to church. You're not obeying what you hear. Amen. Let me tell you something. You, people, Christians and, and even non-believers don't have an information problem. We have an obedience problem. <laughs> you... Think about this. People come to church and go, man, I hope, this, I hope it's a great word. I hope it's, you know, I hope, I hope it's great worship. And, and, and you're looking, some people, for this experience and this feeling and this motivation or this, this new thing you've never heard is going to change your life. Probably not going to happen. If you could only do what you know. <laughs> If you could, watch this, watch this. How many of you know you should forgive people when they sin against you? Raise your hand. Okay, read your, how many of you know you should read your Bible every day? It'll be beneficial to you. How many of you know you should pray every day? How many of you know you should fast on a regular basis? How many of you know you should give give, uh, of your tithes and offerings? How many know you should serve all the time? How many know that being in accountability relationship will really be good for your faith and that God wants you to do it? How many, your hands are getting lower and lower. Come on now. (laughs) How many of you know that God would want to supernaturally, the Holy Spirit would like to supernaturally express himself through you for miracles and signs? And, 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 amen. Okay. Just do that. How many of you know you should worship with all your heart, mind, and soul? How many of you know it would bless God if you were here on time every week 
ready to worship God. Yeah, yeah. God is never late. How many, of you know, how many know God would love for you to be here on time and get all the worship you can get with the family of God at the top of your lungs with all your might and all your passion? Amen. Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. If you know this is true, raise your hand. How many of you know you should share your faith with non-believers and lead them to the Lord? How many of you know you should be better at sharing your faith and better with sharing the gospel? Raise your hand. Are you following what I'm saying? If you just did that. God changed my heart. Give me a desire to do that. That's what this series is about. Give me a desire to do that. I was, I was, I was, I was, I saw this little um, kid with his mom and he had a service dog. And I said, what's a service dog for? And the little boy had an allergy. He had an EpiPen and he was actually allergic to the EpiPen. And she said, I, I, I have this dog, now I can sleep. I mean, I can't imagine, can't imagine having a little kid who's that allergic that you have to watch him 24-7. And God said, what do you have that you can give him right now? Authority in Jesus' name over that illness. You have authority in Jesus' name. I'm going to read something to you. And this is, this is, this is one of the things that, that God wants you, you to know and to do and to exercise. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I, this is Jesus talking. Behold, I give you authority. Everyone say authority. Authority. Say it one more time. Say authority. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power over all the enemy. That you have power over disease. But if you do not believe that, if you do not exercise that, if you don't even ask. Well, no one, I've never prayed for anybody to be healed. No, I've never seen anybody be healed. Have you ever prayed for anybody to be healed? And did you stop after one time? You need to beat that door down. Everyone lift your hand up. Just lift, just lift your hand up. You can lift it straight up, okay? And we're going to pray for someone. I want you to think of one person that's sick, okay? And, and here's the thing. Whenever you pray for somebody, you always want to ask them what happened. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, you're believing so much that God's going to heal them. You say, did he heal you right now? And by the way, raise your hand if you have an illness right now, something, a leg, leg issue. No, keep your hand up, but just wave it if there's something wrong with you. You got the flu, you got an ankle. Look at all these hands. Okay, great, great. Watch this. We're going to have some fun right now. Okay, we're going to pray. We're going to pray, all of us, for somebody we know that has something wrong with them. No matter what it is, because God's bigger than everything. And I'm going to pray for all of y'all who got something wrong with you. Okay, just pray it out loud. I want you to get that person in your head. We are going to exercise authority over, over death, disease. Ailment, spiritual oppression, say it with me out loud. Say, dear Jesus, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you and you give it to us. In Jesus' name, we exercise that authority over demons, over disease, over illness, over discouragement, over spiritual bondage. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just for fun, keep your hand up. Come on now. You put your hand up. If you're getting tired, you just switch your hand. If, if, you, if you waved your hand a minute ago and you're saying, yeah, I had an ailment, I had a bug, I had a, had a knee thing, and you're like, whoa, it feels better. I had sinus, now it's clear. I want you to raise your hand. Just do that if you feel anything. Just, if, if you feel anything, look at the hands. If you feel anything that got better just now, just wave your hand. Wave it like this so we can all see it. Look at all these people's hands. Look at all these hands. Amen. Amen. You're thinking, that didn't really happen. Amen. Come on, come on. Now you may be saying, how do they know that didn't happen? That's why it never happens to you. 
So if you're like, and by the way, did I know the little kid? Nope. I ain't know him. I've never seen him before. Now, you may not be someone who walks up to people you don't know. Fine. There's people you know. Pray for yourself. You got a little pimple? Pray. <laughs> then put Nagzim on and pray again. <laughs> Joshua 7, Joshua 7.10, he says, he says, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do, you, why do you lay in your face? Israel sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. In other words, uh, Joshua, the reason that y'all lost the second battle, the reason that I moved my favor from you, the reason I removed my peace from you is because you did what I told you not to do. If your life is not blessed, it's not because the rock church isn't preaching the sermon for you. It's not because our worship songs aren't what you like. It's because you're not obeying God. I mean, it's, that's between you and God. We're here trying to introduce you and bring you to the presence of God. You have to come, you have to participate when you're here, before you get here, after you leave. But the main thing is you have to obey. If you do not do what God says, you, let me say it this way. You cannot expect, it is ignorant to expect the blessing of obedience by being disobedient. Put in context. Fellas, you can't expect a girl to love you if you're not treating her good. If you're not loving her and vice versa. You can't expect to get money from an investment if you're not investing. <laughs> you can't expect your grass to be green if you're not watering and fertilizing it. It just doesn't happen that way. So he said, what are you doing? He says, you guys sin. Look at number two in your notes. Create in me a heart that connects blessing to generosity and curses to greed. Lord, create in me a heart. Help me understand why I'm, this is going on in my life why this doesn't work out and why this does. A friend of mine is a pastor in, in Florida and they had a service where they were talking about idolatry and he was talking about how we have things that we've created that have become idols to us, our money, our things, cars, whatever it is. And he challenged the church to bring their idols to church. And one lady, she brought her shoes. Not all her shoes, just some of her shoes. There, there's, there's this thing in, in, with some women. I don't want to stereotype all you ladies because I know you're not all the same. At least in this area. But some of y'all have a lot of shoes. And you buy shoes. Like you wear them once and that's it. I, I don't really know a whole lot of ladies like that. There may be one or two here that's like that. Hmm. There, there she is right there. <laughs> okay, you buy a shoe, you wear it once, you can't wear it again because it's, you know, I can't wear it twice. I'm like jacked up. I have no fashion. Please, I'm going to wear shoes for years. Can I get an amen, fellas? Amen. We'll wear those bad boys out. Resole them and go another 10 years, okay? Her shoes were her idol. She brought her shoes. There was another guy who had a, had a Mercedes van. You know what he said? I don't need it. It was a status thing for me and I didn't need it. I had to get rid of it. It, it was robbing the blessing of God. Now, all I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit spoke to them about those things. 
Just because God gives you something doesn't mean you're supposed to keep it. Just because God gives you something or access to something doesn't mean it's for you. He intentionally gives you things so you could pass it on to somebody else. <laughs> it's a pass-through. <laughs> He's using you as a conduit to blessing for somebody else and for you to be like him because God is a giver because he, he gave his only son. And so you always have to ask God, if I'm holding on to something that does not belong to me anymore, it may have belonged to me for a little while, but it doesn't belong to me anymore. If I'm holding on to it, I am bringing a curse or I'm going to eliminate the favor of God. The favor of God may, be, may have been on it when I first got it, but now it's time for me to move on from it. It's now have, it now has become an idol to me. It now has replaced a sense of security that I'm supposed to be putting in God or whatever. It doesn't matter that I know why, I need to get rid of it. And so, okay, God, who and where and how do I get rid of it? It's all a matter of a faith walk by God. Number three in your notes, Holy Spirit, develop a heart that pursues the blessings of generosity through generosity. You do not want to pursue the blessing of generosity through greed. Lord, I, I, I want to enjoy a bunch of stuff by being greedy. No, I'm going to enjoy the blessings of generosity by being generous. I want to enjoy the blessings of prayer by praying. I want to enjoy the blessings of friendship by being friendly. <laughs> I want to enjoy the blessings of obedience by being obedient. As a side note, if every Sunday you came here, you identified one thing to be obedient in, identified how you were obedient before, and just focus on that. Your life will change. Just one thing. Just one thing. I'll talk about a lot of stuff. Just one thing. Amen. Joshua 7, 20. Achan, Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord. 7, 20. And this is what I have done. When I saw the spoils, a among the spoils, a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them or I was greedy. And I took them for myself when you told me not to. There they are hidden in the earth in the midst of the tent with the silver under it. Lord, I want your heart, a heart of generosity. If you could take out this green card, it's in your bulletin. I'm going to prepare for our offering. If you are a visitor, this is a, just a, a normal offering. We usually would have taken it already, but we have a special generosity challenge, just feel free to participate in any way you feel. But I want you to assess where you're at. If you turn the card and look to the side with the writing on it, the white side, where are you at? Are you the first line that says, I do not give to God's work through the church? Or I give when I feel a special calling to? Or I give first to God out of each paycheck? before paying bills, or, and I give a full 10% of my income, which is the tithe, which the Bible says belongs to the Lord, which means he gives it to us just so we can give it back to him so we can practice giving and letting go of things. Or I give my tithe plus special offerings that the Lord calls me to do. Where are you at? On the right, my generosity growth plan. Over the next 90 days, here's the challenge. I will make my first gift of whatever you want to give today I will begin giving to God first as God cannot be second in our life. 
and then I will increase my percentage up into a tithe. My encouragement to you is that you would say, Lord, I am going to start tithing. The Bible says that the tithe belongs to God and that he says, test me if you will not tithe that I will open up the windows of heaven. God's saying, test me. How many of you would love God to open the windows of heaven on your life? Say amen. He's like, let's go, just try it. Try it, 90 day guarantee, why? Because God can't lie. When God tells you to obey him, you should always test the fruit of you obeying him. God's faithfulness is undeniable when he is faithful. But when he removes a favor from your life and you have to struggle all the time, that's also undeniable as well. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna give you a couple minutes just to fill out the bottom. And we're gonna have all the campuses fill out the card and after we fill out the bottom, I'll pray again and we'll take our offering. If you need a pen, just raise your hand. We have pens that'll be passed out. If you could bow your heads and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. You have given us resources and power, your presence, wisdom, forgiveness. And we have such a tendency to hold it to ourselves. Holy Spirit, give us a generous heart. There are some people who have heard about tithing and they know full well they need to do it. I pray that you would encourage them. And they could even think back to when they did give and you bless them, that they would return to that. There are people who don't have jobs. I pray that you would open up the windows of heaven and give people careers. And thank you for the people who are at microsites and people who don't have jobs in this church that give anyway. I pray you honor their faithfulness. Thank you for being good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. What I'm going to ask all of you to do is that we're going to take two minutes to fill this out and then we'll pray again and bless it. And then we'll, we'll worship for a minute and then we'll be dismissed. So just take a minute and fill that out if you will, please.
We good? Say amen if you're good. Say amen if you need more time. As I pray, this is our, I pray that some of you would, this would be a changing point in your life, that you would learn to do this with God and trust him. Um, if you're a regular here, you can give online. You could actually automate this as well. There are several ways to give. They're on the screen in our bulletin. Lord, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, I pray a blessing on everybody here. I pray that you would give us a generous heart one that not only enjoys to give, but also enjoys the benefit of giving. And that you would bless us and entrust us with more resources as we become trustworthy with it. Thank you for your goodness. Multiply blessings on every person that gives today. Multiply blessings on the people who by faith are making a pledge to give over the next 90 days faithfully their tithe. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could just remain in your seat until we all get the buckets through, and then we'll worship together.